Ronananian. I've got to wonder about self-driving cars. I really do. I've got to look at this very carefully. And you've got to. How will the car know it's broken? Other than it'll stop. Car doctor, you drive your car. Who doesn't know when their car isn't right? What do you do? You get a sense of sound. Gee, the brakes are noisy. It seems like they're going to have to give that car the smarts of a person. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for stopping by the garage today. I'm Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Again, 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com. Uh, the ability to podcast. If you're using some sort of device, a double pod or whatever podcast player you're using, please click subscribe. And uh, if you're out at Spreaker, you can click follow. And uh, just in general, we're just trying to drive the podcast numbers. Um, as well as the radio show numbers, you know, we're we're we're, we're a twofold business operation here, as um, we try to step out from behind the microphone once in a while and talk about it, but not much. And uh, we appreciate your support. We also appreciate the fact that listen, a lot of choices out there. We appreciate that you're spending some time with us, so we try to give you some quality information because that's what this radio show is and has been about the past uh, I don't know, 27 years. Uh, 1991 was a long time ago. I think I was better looking then. Um, I want to talk about Tesla. Gee, no comment from Tom. That's because Tom's alone in the booth today. And, oh, uh, I got plenty of comments. Uh, <laughs> the, the often imitated, never duplicated, one and only, no baloney, not a phony, Thomas Ray the Third. How are you today, Tom? Live and in color and yeah, doing well. well. Yeah, it's you know that's good, man. Um, that's good. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me. Otherwise, I'd be here by myself. And, and that would be scary. Well, you know what people would hear? Exactly what that we would had be now. It. Yeah, but, that would be. You know, right. But so you know, you said this this was a twofold business. Now, why did you give me specific instructions on the shirts you want folded here? Well, because you know, <laughs> I I, I want to get everything done. It's uh, we're getting ready for the annual company picnic, and uh, the, the uniform of the day will be t-shirts. So I've got Lucy the Wonder Dog in here with me. She's sleeping. I think she's getting old. She's like eight now. Really? Yeah. She's no yeah. She's worn out. We were throwing the ball for her in the backyard of the studio, and um, I think we've worn her out. Wow. So uh, either that or either that or she's typical of the audience. I'm putting everybody to sleep today. Um, oh, you say something? Yeah, I could be. Um, I want to talk about Tesla. Uh, Eddie Goitis, Goitis Capital, it keeps me abreast of what's going on with 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 Tesla, and it's and it's interesting. You know, it's an interesting article. Tesla stopped a break and roll test as it pushed to hit Model Three goals. I'm not sure where Tesla's going. All right, and it, it's kind of scary some of the stuff you read, and that's. What's here, you know, I get it. I think I think very long-term plan, if they can survive and produce enough money, I think companies like Tesla will take us to the planets. The idea of electric and alternate fuel vehicles and, and, and things like that, I think that's going to happen. But it's the learning curve down here that sort of scares me. Tesla has decided to skip a break-and-roll test in the manufacturing of its Model 3 vehicles. The Model 3, for those of you that may not know, is a key piece of product 
for Tesla. They're really struggling with it and trying real hard to get it to work because it's it's the bread and butter car. It's you know it's their it's their Chevy Impala, so to speak. It's it's the car that everybody can drive and own and operate and so forth, and it's 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 the cheapest of the line. Tesla says its model it, it tests the Model 3 brakes in alignment in other parts of the factory, so the tests were redundant. Shares in the electric vehicle maker plunged by 6% or more on Tuesday in midday training. This came to us from July 3rd, just uh, beginning of this middle of this week. As it pushed to hit electric vehicle production targets for the quarter, Tesla decided to skip brake and roll testing for its Model 3 sedan in its Fremont factory. The news was first reported by Business Insider. The company managed to meet a self-imposed deadline to produce 5,000 Model 3 cars in a week after several quarters of missing its goals. But Tesla's stock plunged by more than 7% Tuesday. The article changed it. Like other automakers, the company is facing tariffs that will take on Friday. That's yesterday. And yesterday, the CFRA downgraded the stock from hold to sell, saying the company's burst production rate for its Model 3 won't be sustainable. You got to wonder... What is the long-term capability of Tesla? You know, you see them on the road; they look nice, but are they able to? Are they able to really deliver? On the plus side, you think about how many of them are out there, and and what kind of technology it is, and how many problems are we having? Okay, the ones we're having problems with, you know, bursting into flames and and, and some of the other issues. Yeah, that's sort of a problem, but just I'm just here to report the facts, folks. That's it. Every car we build goes through rigorous quality checks, the company recently told CNBC, and must meet exacting specs, including brake tests. To be extremely clear, Tesla says, we drive every Model 3 on our test track to verify braking torque, squeal, and rattle. There are no exceptions. It has not yet said whether or not or when the test may be reinstated. According to Tesla workers at the Fremont, California factory, they also conduct alignment checks on the GA3, or General Assembly Line 3, using a system that was designed in-house. All vehicles have their brakes and alignment tested on-site after they're fully assembled and before they leave the Fremont factory to go to a service or delivery center. The company confirmed Tesla has changed other processes to speed of production. For instance, the New York Times recently reported that Tesla reduced the number of spot welds used in the Model 3's underbelly by 300 or 6%. Yeah, but you wonder how many spot welds did it need? I... The car's not cracking in half or falling apart yet. Um, but that's that's to us from Tesla, and uh, thanks to Eddie Goitis, Goitis Capital. I've got to tell you, my opinion is, and I, I think it sort of ties into what I think when somebody asks me, what kind of car should I buy? I've had people ask me, yeah, I want to buy a Tesla. What do you think? My answer is, you know, does it meet your lifestyle? How well will you, you know, how well will it drive you where you want to go? And, and how are you going to get it fixed? And what are you going to actually do with it? And, you know, the number one question when you're buying a car really comes out to be who's going to work on it. That's the most important part of the car owning process. Because if, if you're buying a Tesla and thinking Bob's garage down the street is going to work on it, you're in for a very big and a very rude shock. Uh, you know, I think Tesla will sort their problems out. Um, but from a stock perspective, and, you know, a can-they-make-it-work perspective, that's the backbreaker. Remember, it's about making money, not necessarily making cars. That um, that becomes an issue. So, But um, we'll just keep an eye on that. We'll see what Tesla's got to say. I've, I've gotten a bunch of questions uh, this week regarding self-driving cars. Um, uh, there was one here I wanted to talk about. The fellow made a point. He said, wait a minute, let me just find it. I can't find it, but I can remember the question. And he brought out a good point. He said, you know, Ron, you've got to remember, self-driving cars are never going to have a steering wheel or not have a steering wheel in them. 
and I don't see the day when that's going to happen anytime soon or anytime in the immediate future. And I've got to agree. I think the safety factors, I'm amazed that they've got self-driving cars and electric vehicles and all this technology going, and they give the driver the ability to turn off the safety feature and override it. That just boggles my mind. Uh, you know, that's sort of like taking the taking the safety off the gun while it's pointed at you and saying, nah, it'll never go off. Um, you know, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I think you're just asking for trouble. So uh, the, the key for self-driving cars to me, limited operation, very exact, specific uh, procedures, very specific environment, and short leash. Let's watch it and see what they do and um, make sure that nothing bad happens or nothing not, nothing additional bad happens, and uh, maybe we'll get somewhere with it. But we do need the technology. It does have its place. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. We are coming back right after this. Don't go away. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron hey let's get back on over and talk to Lindsay from pennsylvania looking for a car young lady 26 years old Lindsay, welcome to the car doctor how can i help hi i'm actually looking for a new car and i'm looking for an suv kind of looking between the subaru forester and the rav4 hybrid but i don't really know what's the difference between the two and which one's better and if there's even one better than that. So both cars, a Subaru Forester or a Toyota Hybrid, both cars are new, right? That's what you're saying? You're looking at buying new, Lindsay? Yes. Okay, and, and then and then yes. who's, who's going to work on it? I always come back to that. That's that's. I'm guessing you're a recent college graduate. This is like the first set of real wheels. Yeah, the car that I have now is used, and I've never purchased a new one before, so this is totally new for me so i would probably stick with the dealership that's normally what i've been doing right who's who's been working on the used car now the a dealer uh the ford i have a ford so it's been the ford dealership that's been working on it how come you're not looking at a new ford just out of curiosity i don't know i just was looking for something different right right have you have you i'm also open to suggestions too have you driven the forester or the hybrid I have not driven any of them yet. Okay. I've just been kind of looking. So, you know, picking a new car is kind of like dating, all right? It's 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 sort of, you know, you, you, you've got to go out on a bunch of dates. you got to decide what do you like, not like, you know, is it, right. you, you, know, you know, how does it handle and how does it feel? I mean, that's, you know, no other way to express it, all right? You know, there may be things that you like about the car during the day that may change at night. There may be, you know, you've got to look at, you know, how do the controls feel if you're driving along at 40 miles an hour. And, you know, look down, try and find the heat, try and find the radio. Is it difficult to make changes? Try and find the power window switches. You know, you're, you're, you're moving out of an, an older Ford. How old is the Ford? What kind of Ford is it that you're driving? The 2005 Ford Taurus. Okay. So you're, you're, you're going from, 
you know, probably a DC-3 cargo plane from 1942 to, you know, you're going to be going into the space shuttle here. All right? This is, this is a completely different animal. So uh, there's a lot of change. Now, you know, just keep in mind that automatically you get into anything new, it's just going to feel better because it is. It's, it's not a 13-year-old vehicle either. All right? But you want to, you know, try it out. Drive whatever you're going to drive at least twice. Or maybe drive the first round once, and then when you get down to the final decision, drive it, you know, twice. Drive it once during the day, once at night. I always tell everybody that when they're buying a car, because the personality of the car will change from, you know, daytime to nighttime. Uh, you know, it's dark. You know, can you see things in the dark? Can you get to where you want to get, etc. What do you buy? Subarus are Okay. Um, you know, everything out there is generally a good 100,000-mile car, all right? 100,000 miles seems to be the break point. And then you've got to decide how long do you want to hang on to it, all right? Unless you've got a lemon, most cars will go the 100,000-mile mark with no problem today and a minimal amount of maintenance. It's how long you're going to hang on to it and what's the resale value. So you've got to stop and look at that. Now, you know, the hybrid, to me, the hybrid is... Are, are you traveling far for work? Yes, that was one of the reasons why I was looking into the hybrid, because with my car now, I am spending a lot of money on gas. Okay. Um, have you compared or talked to the insurance company with regard to the, the, the price difference between insuring a Forester versus a hybrid versus something else? I have not. All right. So that's got to be at the top of the list, because this has got to be a numbers okay. decision. All right. Yes. When, when, when you're young, I'll talk to you like I talk to one of my daughters. When you're young and starting out, all right, you've got to make a decision based on numbers, not emotions, okay? And, you know, can, can, okay. you, can you afford X, Y, and Z, and, 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 and what can you afford? The, the second question always becomes, who's going to work on it? If you're going to buy the Toyota and the Toyota deal is going to work on it, great. If, if, if you're going to buy the Toyota and you expect the family mechanic, Bob's Garage, to work on it, you got to go talk to Bob and say, Bob, can you work on this car? All right? The one drawback of hybrids is that, you know, it's, it's sort of like when you buy a house. Most houses have asphalt shingle roofs, and then once in a while you get a house with a copper or a tin roof. Um, they're both roofs. They're all roofs. They'll all keep you dry. It's just one's a little more difficult to work on than the other. So, you know, sometimes that hybrid vehicle is going to need the expertise of a dealer tech to solve, you know, whatever the problem is. Most of the maintenance is cut and dry. They generally don't break. They're really pretty good, especially the Toyotas. Oh, I'd probably give them the edge 125, 150,000 miles. All right. But you got to go drive one. You got to, you know, do you like the experience? One of the things that's going to boggle your mind with the newer vehicles, no matter what you pick, a Subaru, a, 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 a Toyota, even the new Fords, the difference between most of them and that Taurus that you're driving is they're going to have start-stop technology. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, a little bit. You know, you're going to pull up to the stop sign and the car is going to shut off, and you're going to be like, what happened? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of weird. So, you know, the other thing to think about is how long do you plan to keep this car? Five years, 10 years, 200,000 miles, 100,000 miles, and it's gone. Um, you know, you've got you've to sort that out as well. I think if we're starting out and we want to try and stay in that same budget and time frame, let's look at a Forester. My, my, my thought on a Forester is great 100, 120,000-mile vehicle. They're a little pricey on correct maintenance, 
correct maintenance. There's a lot of there's there's things that people will cheat on, but they're a little pricey when you do the correct maintenance. Um, the Toyota Hybrid, not a bad choice. I would compare a gas version and look at the price difference between gas and hybrid and decide is it worth that much of a difference. All right. And then, okay. you know, third third thing I look at is, yeah, I'd look at something comparable in a Ford. Go look at a Ford Escape, you know, just to see what that experience is like. The key for you is going to be, and a lot of people, is who's going to work on it. No matter how new it is, sooner or later it's going to break, and you've got to be able to resolve that in a, in a, in a proper manner so you don't have any issues. Sounds good. All right. So, but that's, you know, that's clearly how I would, um, how I would do it. And then also keep in mind, like I said, talk to your insurance company because I'm willing to bet right off the bat you don't have collision on that 05 Taurus. I don't believe so. Yeah, you'll have collision on, on all of these. So you got to look at what the rates are. And some of those cars are, are more money than others in terms of uh, cost to insure. And then let's throw a fourth car in there. Um, not exactly like what you're looking at, but let's just go drive a Honda Civic. Someone said to me the other day, and I haven't verified this, but you can buy a Honda Civic for under 20 grand. Sounds like a lot of car for less than 20 Gs. You know, you, you just got to decide if you're... That really good to me. Yeah, you know, you got to decide, though, if you're traveling in bad weather, is that going to be what you want to be in in bad weather as a bad weather vehicle? Uh, you know, so that's um, that's just something to consider into the into the mix as well. All right, kiddo. Okay. So well, thank you. You're very welcome. You got any questions? You know where to find me. All right. Thank okay. you very much. You're very welcome, Lindsay. You take good care. Um, yeah, it's tough, Tom. You know, it's tough when kids go out and buy new vehicles today. And um, you know, what are they going to drive, and how are they going to get it there? Let's real quick. Can I sneak in an email? Ron, uh, my name is Maury. I drive a 15 Honda Civic. Oh, look, I know I saw a Civic in here somewhere. The manual says I can tow 1,000 pounds. Boy, this question sounds familiar. I swear I answered this. The dealer says no. His boat is 150 pounds. Trailer's 250. Is this a problem with the CVT Trans? I wouldn't just necessarily ask the dealer. I would ask the dealer, why does he say no? If the manual says he can tow 1,000 pounds, why does the dealer say no? What is he basing that on? Now, maybe you've got to put an auxiliary trans cooler in, some type of a device to cool the trans down. Uh, that would be my first thought, but if the manual says you can do it, why is the dealer saying you can't? And then by the same token, I would call Honda and speak to their customer service team and ask them, hey, the manual says this, the dealer says no, what's the right answer, what's your experience been? I would also use the power of the Internet and Google it. What's everybody out there doing? Or, you know, how are they doing it? Um, are they making it work? Is it, um, is it been an issue for those that are trying to get it done? So uh, just some things to think about and deal with. But I would say if you can do it, you can. Now you've got to find out the proper procedure and what sort of trans cooler you might need to get the job done, and um, we'll kind of go from there. Maury, thanks for the question. 855-560-9900. I am Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Don't you go away. Kids running in the car doctor, by the way. Remember when the wild kids rode Hondas? Ooh, right? I mean, that was the that was a big deal, that song back in the 60s, right? You know, first gear, second gear, hold tight, lean right, etc. Um, wow, what a... You know, it's funny how 100 years from now, they're going to look back at cars and say, 
Look at how, look at the dating of the time period and, and, and look at what they represented. I still go back to, I enjoy watching the older shows. I was watching Chips again as I'm, I'm still fascinated by Chips. I'm still on a Chips kick. And, um, you know, the cars that they were driving this week, the 78 uh, Thunderbird, the 78 Lincoln Continental that, you know, plowed into a Volkswagen Beetle and took the thing out and half a heartbeat and the, the Lincoln drove away and the Volkswagen was crushed. Um, just really amazing stuff when you look at the, the, the epic proportions of some cars were this big and some cars were this big and we we drove those things and, you know, now everything is... Um, you know what else is interesting? That when you look at the older TV shows, all the cars had color. They were all different colors, red, green, blue, white. Today everything is white, silver, or black. You know, very the country is very blah. Uh, you know, very different time period. So, um, you know, things are changing. Speaking of change, by the way, I've gotten more than a few questions, and I thought this was a good tip to pass along. I've gotten a more than a few questions from you regarding tires and, you know, figuring out tire size and things like that. If you go out to Goodyear.com, the folks at Goodyear Tire, Goodyear.com, they've made it very easy to determine tire size. You go right from the start of the first page, you tell them either the vehicle, or you can actually plug, and this I thought this was neat, you can actually plug your license plate in right on the website and your state, and it will match the vehicle by plate and state, plate and state, hey, like that, and it will tell you what tire sizes you have, and then allow you to go find your tires online. So that's from the folks at Goodyear, Goodyear.com. It's free and open to everybody. You may want to take a look at that and uh, see what that does for you. So in any event, let's get over and talk to Mitch out in Oregon, 05 Dodge 2500, and a list of codes. Mitch, Ron and the car doctor at your service, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, well, I got a friend, he's got the, the 05 Dodge, and uh, last week he was driving it, and it sputtered a little bit, the check engine light came on, it went back off, and the truck drove fine the rest of the week. Uh, a few days ago, he towed a trailer about 60, 80 miles up to where we're camping, and it did fine. We unhooked the trailer, and then did some uh, running around, and his truck died. Okay. And we started it, and the check engine light came on. We tried to start it up. It went about 10 feet and died. So we towed it back up to camp, which was about a quarter mile. The, let We just let it set. The next day, we went into town, got a code reader, came back, and um, plugged it in, and, and it had a whole bunch of codes. Um, it had one, one code and eight pending codes. Okay. So... so that was a lot. I don't know if you want to know those now. Yeah, or, well, give me the what. what's the what's the um what was the one you know the hard failure. It, the hard failure failure was the random misfire. Okay, so it's got a then, so it's got a P zero three hundred. What were the others? Uh, P zero three three nine three three five. Those are crank shaft position sensor and crank circuits. Right, and then you got some seven got a seven hundred eight. 46, yeah, it's uh, trans eight. stuff. So that's all tranny stuff. Yeah, I'm wondering if the, if that was if those got set by be, be, being towed. Let me ask you this question: What are you what are you using for a code reader? OBD2. You're it, going in the OBD2 side. Oh, correct. Okay. Here's the problem: If that has a communication fault with the TIPA module, totally integrated power module, which is where I think this is going. By the way. Um, you'll never see it on an OBD2 fault. It's not likely to see it. Here's an example where it, it would really... 
I think it would it would tell me a lot of things if you were to scan this by year make model vehicle specific. Here's a classic uh-huh. you know here's a classic example where you, when you hear me talking about you know you can go in OBD two or you can go in vehicle specific. Vehicle specific uh-huh. will access all modules on the vehicle, while OBD two will only access typically engine trans things that are strictly and specifically emissions related, because that's what uh-huh. OBD two is about. So, right. So you could spend some time looking for, you know, something that isn't there. My my okay. w- one of my rules of thumb is when I get a car that's doing intermittent weird things, uh huh. I, I I do a complete vehicle scan or I want to. All right, because I'm looking okay. for I'm looking for more information. Okay. Um. So, so what I did is I, is I wrote the codes down. Um. I cleared them all and I thought, okay, let's. Let's drive and see what comes back, and maybe just deal with with a lower level of codes. Um, and nothing has come back, and it's driving fine. Right. And here's a case that had the next time it happens, I would yeah. I, I, I you could scan it OBD two wise. For example, if but if the TIPM or the totally integrated power module, which is sort of like. <laughs> The, the central data bus communication fault out on the vehicle under the hood, if, if, uh-huh. the, if that's got an issue, it may or may not set an OBD2 fault. It may only set something vehicle-specific, manufacturer-specific. So, so it needs a, a dealer, uh, probably a dealer. Well, your make model. How many, how many telephones do you have in your house? Oh, they're all cell phones, so mm. uh, three. Three? Well, let's say, they, let's say they were all hardwired, okay? Mm-hmm. Call one, call one PCM, one TCM, trans control module, and the other one tip them. Totally integrated power module. If uh-huh. if the PCM and the TCM are on the same data bus, meaning they're on the same network, all right, they'll always yeah. talk to each other, but they won't talk to the tip them, or maybe the tip them is the central point between the two, and they don't speak directly to each other. They both have to go through the tip them module. And maybe there's maybe there's three others on that same data bus, and they all have to go through the TIPM module. But mm-hmm. the PCM software may be such that it doesn't allow it to tell OBD2, hey, I lost touch with TIPM. I just said cam crank and, you know, seven misfire faults, and it, it doesn't uh-huh. know why. It's, it's sort of like scanning at OBD2, you're only getting half the picture. You're only getting half the data. So that's, okay. that's, that's why, you know, it, it kind of comes back to that. We scan cars today for some of the goofiest things that you would never expect. You know, I, I sit there and I say to myself, and I'm trying to think. I had a vehicle the other day; the windshield wipers didn't work. I scanned codes, and there was a, and there was a communication fault in the instrument cluster that was preventing the wipers from coming on. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's just it's just getting to that point, or it's past that point. It really is the point. So. Okay. You know, now in the meantime, before I let you go, and I know you got another question, I'll give you that one sec. Is just cover the basics. Look for a wiring harness that's rubbing or rough. Look for the you know the battery cables loose. How do all the grounds appear? All right. Uh huh. You know, and just just make sure everything's intact. It is a twelve year old, thirteen year old vehicle. Right, right. And it feels like you're just driving around on eggshells, waiting for it to right. set. Yeah. You know. Right. Um, yeah. So. If I could maybe get a scan tool that could scan it by your make model, it may show me something. Probably at this point you've cleared it, but it it, it, it can't hurt to look.
If you can get a, you know, it's listen. It mm-hmm. if, if you can get your hands on a scan tool for free, it's going to cost you nothing to look at, and it's you know typically. Um, just about every scan tool today has a complete system scan as one of the menu choices. Turn the mm-hmm. key on, plug it in, set it up, and let it go, baby. If it comes back clean, then you know where you are. If it doesn't, it may give you something to shoot for and from little acorns, mighty oaks grow. And then in the meantime, we'll just drive it and wait for it to set something. Yeah, that's all you can do. That's all, all you right, can brother. do at this point. All right, you keep me posted, but, um, yeah, that's the OBD2 versus your make model speech for today. Okay. All right. I will. I will keep you posted. All right. You take good care. Thanks. Thanks, Mick. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, I'm glad you kind of turned this way and uh, turned the mic button on, Tom. You were getting nervous there. Hey, hey, I get busy when I have to do things I'm like sweep the floor and busy. everything else when Tony's not here. By the way, you missed a spot in the corner over there. Um, yeah, I'll spot you. So Tony will be back next week. So let me get over to the phones. Let's go talk to Jerry in Omaha, Nebraska. How are things in beautiful Omaha today, Jerry? Ron and Annie and the car doctor at your service, oh, sir. just a little bit warm, about almost 90 degrees, but yeah. not bad. Yeah, sorry. We're not allowed to do the weather. I get yelled at if I ask the weather report, but thanks <laughs> for sharing that. Um, some people have no sense of humor. So uh, how can I help you today, Jerry? What's going on? Well, I got a 2015 Kia Sorento. Okay. And I got new brake pads all the way around, and I was wondering... the. The rotors aren't really scored or anything, and I'm just wondering if I should just resurface them or get new ones. Well, the issue comes back to one of a few things. One, how thick are the rotors to begin with? It's always got to be minimum thickness based on whether or not we machine. You should, by the book, by industry standard, machine the rotor or give the brake pad a fresh rotor to adhere to. You know, that, that rough surface of the rotor does a few things. Number one, it's, it's, it's clean and provides maximum uh, friction uh, ability as the pad breaks in, but more importantly, it's pad breaking. It helps raise the temperature of the pad evenly and smoothly. It helps, you know, there's, there's certain resins that are baked into the brake pad if you sit and talk to a brake guy, and he'll tell you that the initial surface temperature of the brake pad against itself, you know, helps evenly cure the pad and, you know, cure the, it's like baking the cake. The way they, the way it was explained to me once was, you know, brake pads are like cakes that come out of the oven that are baked about 95% of the way. That initial application for 50 to 70 miles bakes at the remaining 5%. So that, that, that unfinished machine surface, so to speak, is what is, you know, and that's why they say it's break-in. It's a break-in period. I see. Uh, right. uh, it's got, I bought it when it had 30,000 miles, and there was just a one owner, and it's got 46,000 miles on it now. Right. And I haven't taken the wheels off to check to see how thick they are. Right. I mean, if, if, if they'll stand a cut, cut them. If not, you know, it's, I'm going to tell you to change them. I'm also going to tell you to look at the rotor on the inside. I'm not sure why. Well, maybe it's got to do with the way they go down the road. But it seems like the majority of cars in the last 8 or 10 years, we always notice the inside face, not just Kias, but everything, 
um, the inside face is the one that always seems to rust or delaminate or peel or, you know, that, that, that shiny side of the rotor just doesn't look so shiny. And obviously that's real important because, A, you can't machine against rot. If, if, if the inside face of the rotor is rotted and, and, and unmachinable, you're, you're cutting down the, the, the coefficient of friction, I think is the college word, if I want to talk like high tech, um, and the ability for the car to stop by 50% if that's not an, a, a smooth surface on the inside. Yeah, um, see, I don't think they've ever been changed because right. I got it at 30000 And you could, you know, then you could also replace the rotors, but... You know, that's obviously a more costly proposition. Yeah, I was just wondering. I don't know if there's any good rotors out there. They all seem like the cars I had in the past. I got replacements, and they warp after a couple of years. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, uh, brand choice and where they're coming from. Do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts out there in Omaha? Yes, we do. Stop by the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Ask them, hey, what works? What's not going to warp? Ask them if they have power stop. If they have power stop brake rotors, if they do, I put them on all day long. I have absolutely no qualms. I have very, very, very few problems. Knock wood with power, power stop, stop pads. Uh, power. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Power stop rotors. Uh, is, power is, is, stop is, rotors. Power okay. stop brake rotors. They've they've been really good. Um, they I work really, really well. The cars I've had before, I've just had bad luck with new rotors. Yeah, and a lot of people do, and I think a lot of it has to do with. Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with just cheap rotors and white boxes that are being reboxed. I'm curious, not to get political, but I will for a quick 30 seconds. I'm curious what President Trump's tariffs are going to do with our trade with China in terms of bringing in cheaper car parts. And I'm wondering how it's going to slow things down. And maybe, maybe I'm kind of hopeful we'll see an increase in better car parts made here that uh, have a better quality to them. That's but, what I was hoping for, yeah. because everything made in China, that it just... It's not good. No, it just it doesn't seem to hold to a good exact standard. So. And it looks like all the brake rotors are pretty much made over in China. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Taiwan. It's going to be really interesting the next couple of years. Jerry, i got to go. I'm up against the clock, babe. You enjoy Omaha, Nebraska, and have yourself a good rest of the weekend. And if you have any other questions, you know where to find me. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. at home, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Let's uh, do our real fix, sure track fix of the week from the folks at Mitchell One, MitchellOne.com. For those of you looking for the information, the neat thing about a real fix, sure track, and we talk about this every week, is the fact that these are real world pattern fixes right from the Mitchell One database, uh, right from the sure track information source. So today's title is What's in the Trunk? What do you do if you have junk in the trunk, but you can't get to your trunk to open with a button? Well, you could with your key, but that's a lot of effort. Follow this real fix to see how an inoperable trunk release was diagnosed and repaired on the Chevy Malibu. And the thing I thought about when I was reading this one is a lot of cars don't have keys anymore. A lot of cars just have, it's the trunk release button or the fob or the button on the dash. There are no keys in, in trunks anymore, so sometimes you really got to fix the trunk. This one started out as a 2003 Chevy Malibu, and I like this one also because it, think about before when we were talking about what it takes to fix cars and what kind of technology is there. Um, it had a trouble code B3267, which was a deck lid output relay short to ground or open. The customer stated the deck lid did not open. 
They used a scan tool. And we were also talking to someone recently this hour about using a scan tool for silly things. Well, here's one that you wouldn't think to use one for. They used a scan tool to look at live data and found the deck lid release relay indicated active. They took the release relay out. It's still indicated active. They used a digital voltometer, measured the circuits for a short or open to ground or power, found none, put a BCM in it, a Barrett body computer module, flashed it, and the vehicle was fixed. Just goes to show you, you've got to use a scan tool for everything, and things like Mitchell Sh- Real Fix Sure Track 1 really do help. More at Mitchell1.com. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.